How's it going, everybody? Welcome to the Third Line Plug Sensecast. I am your host, Taylor Gibson. Joining me, as always, from the tropical metropolis of Calgary, Alberta, my co-host, Tim Jensey. Tim, how are you, sir? Fucking cold. Oh, yeah? How cold is it today, bud? Zero Fahrenheit. And that's, what, minus seven? Like, minus 20. Really? Zero Fahrenheit's minus 20? Yeah, around there. Is that minus 20 with a wind chill or just minus 20 on its own? Just minus fucking 20. Oh, Jesus. Yeah, it was like 14 degrees last week. So about 50 50 Fahrenheit last week. I saw yesterday it was like minus 13 out where you guys are. Yeah. Yeah. Honestly, I can't complain because it was was chilly, but it was sunny, and I was strolling around in a t-shirt and jeans, and this is why people hate the West Coasters like myself. Yeah, pretty much. But I guess we're the we can play real hockey outside now, so that's all the difference. Yeah, it really is. We can do that <laughs> out here. So Tim, we've got a fully loaded episode tonight, including top of the hour and the three games we're going to talk about. But first, before we do that, oh, shit, did you get a chance to listen to last week's episode? Yeah, maybe more than we got a chance to watch the games. Yeah, what were your thoughts? Uh, it was about as good as we could have done. To be honest, yeah, I, I can agree with that. Yeah, especially given the weeks from hell we had. Yeah, but you know what? We were honest about that. We weren't gonna lie to everybody and say no. You know, we just didn't feel like watching the games this week. Mm-hmm. We were both busy. Life happened. It does. You know what also happens, Tim? Me segueing into a little segment I like to call "Top of the Hour." So, Tim, we've got a fully loaded top of the hour this week, and we can talk about Andre Vasilevsky tying the record for most wins in the month of October. Hell, we can even talk about Patrick Marlowe's return to the San Jose Sharks. But that all we- doesn't matter because, Tim, oh my god, we landed Matthew Shane! Tim, oh my god, we're so Holy happy! Shit. Like, just appreciate this whole fucking story that unfolded. Oh, sweet Jesus, it's a... Like, so- this has been brewing for, like... This has a been year. brewing for two years. Uh, like, straight up. Let's Holy all have shit. a drink, guys. Woo! Oh, that's oh, some good stuff. First story we're going to talk about tonight. That three-way trade the Ottawa Senators, Colorado Avalanche, and Nashville Predators were involved in. The Ottawa Senators inquired Matt Duchesne from the Colorado Avalanche. Kyle Turris landed in Nashville. And the Avalanche landed prospect Samuel Girardi, Vladislavsky Kamarov, and a 2018 second from the National Predators. And, not to be outdone, they also inquired Andrew Hammond, a 2018 first, and a 2018 third from the Ottawa Senators. They also acquired Senators prospect Shane Bauer. That's right. They also did inquire Bowers. I totally... I don't know why I didn't include that. Because it's not really notable. <laughs> no, we, we took him um, last like year's for, Yeah, he was taken like 28th overall in one of the worst drafts in the last 20 years. 
Yeah, pretty much. So he's not notable. No, not at all. Unlike this trade, I mean... Like, this whole situation oh, Jesus, is that's... fucking nuts. And, like, I th- I think it deserves going into the backstory. It does. This is just... I'm really... I'm a loss for words. I never thought I'd ever see myself a loss for words, Tim, but... The fact that Ottawa has been looking at landing Matt Duchesne for over a year now, and... And I recall, was it Darren Dreger? Well, he announced that the deal had fallen through there on Friday night? Yeah. Well, like, this whole story is nuts, because it starts with... As soon as Pierre Dorian sits in that GM chair, he goes over to Joe Sackick and says, Hey, if you ever feel like trading Duchesne, call me up. Yeah, this rem- that reminds me a lot of when... Uh, Jerry Buss, former owner of the LA Kings in 1985, leaned over to Peter Pockenden and said, hey, if you ever want to trade Gretzky, give me a call. Mm-hmm. Well, it's just, that is a very classic sales technique of just getting your foot in the door, getting inside the guy's brain. And what's insane is Friday night, like at the start of the year and at the end of the last year's playoffs, everyone thought that Calters was pretty much a lock to be a long-term Ottawa senator. As did we. <clears throat> However... Ian Mendez mentioned that things didn't seem to be going that well between the tourist camp and the Ottawa Senators. No, and we talked about this in the very first episode, and I know you and I talked about it off off the air the last couple of times, and we've said, you know, we can understand why Ottawa doesn't want to give him the eighth year because he would have been locked until he's 36, 35? Mm-hmm. But, I think 37, yeah. Yeah, and then Kyle Turris turned around when he arrived in Nashville and he signed a six-year, $36 million contract saying that the sixth year from the Senators weren't even on the table. Yeah, it's such a rough situation. And apparently uh, Kyle Turris wasn't even considering talking about contracts until like after September. So that was completely off the table. So it was an interesting situation and uh, Dreger brought that up. And then, honestly, a lot of people were throwing shade Darren Dreger's way, and uh, this just goes to show that Darren Dreger is uh, better connected than any of us could have imagined. Well, when he's one of the hockey analysts for TSN, I mean, you have to be well-connected to these NHL franchises. Oh, for sure. And then, like, Friday night was an interesting night because once that rumor broke... Everyone was just like, holy shit, Turris and Duchesne moving? Three teams? What is this? Yeah, and I read... I can't remember which blog it was. It was a French French blog Bonk's Mullet put up, and I think the deal was involved with, like, at home going to Colorado and Duchesne going to Ottawa, and I think it was like... Yeah, it was like Duchesne and Subban. And I was, I was like, well, that doesn't make any sense. Like, Kyle Turris is good, but he's not... Duchesne and Subban good. Well, think about what, like, I don't believe if that was the ask, I could see why the deal didn't go anywhere. Well, initially I thought it was because Sackick had asked for Thomas Shabbat again. And I, in the past, deals between the two have been, they've been in talks with that. But since Shabbat was included, Pierre Dorian was like, well, no, I'm not trading Thomas Shabbat. And I couldn't see... Like, David Poyle, he's such a good asset manager that I don't think he would sell low on Subban like that. No, especially or when... Or Eckholm. Yeah, too. I mean... Like, that just sounds too good 
like too dumb to be real. Like, yeah, like it's setting off both of our red. It's setting off both of our BS alerts right here. Yeah. So let's talk. But about that the... sounds like a Sackic ask, to be honest. Yeah. So let's and talk what's about the nuts news. Is apparently, the Sens had a plane chartered to pick up Duchesne that night. Wouldn't it made more sense for them to uh, meet up in Sweden next week and then make the deal there? Well, that's what I was thinking, but as soon as Nashville became part of that deal, there's a bit of urgency there because the time delay between Sweden and Nashville is five hours. Six hours, sorry. So two of the two of the three parts are in the same place, but the third part isn't. Ah, uh, okay. Like, I was thinking the exact same thing. It's like, why don't they wait till Matt Duchesne just has to walk down the hallway? Yeah, would have made more sense. <clears throat> yeah, but... Uh, and it was interesting because once everyone said it was dead, once again, Darren Drager's like, this isn't dead, guys. No, and even yesterday when I was at my dad's watching the Seahawks and checking my phone every two seconds, being like, come on, announce the trade, announce the trade, announce the trade. And it was a real nail-biter, I have to admit. Yeah, and then once once Duchesne has moved popped up off Elliot Friedman's Twitter, I was like, it begins. Yep. And like that was the most tense hour of Twitter watching I can remember in a very long time. Oh, I know. It was crazy. Because first it came out that Turris was on the move, but everyone's like, oh, no. And then no other details were me- mentioned. So my first instinct is like, they probably moved Shabbat. Yeah, that was my real concern, too. And then once Shane Bauer's name popped up was when you realized that Ottawa got a really good deal. Well, think about that, right? We got because what Shane, Shane Bowers, up. the next name mentioned, you know nothing better is going that the other way. Yeah, because, I mean, we got Duchesne without giving up Shabbat or Logan Brown or Colin White or one of our blue-chip prospects. So <laughs> I'm happy with this trade. Yeah, and it's just like, Colorado sat on Duchesne for too long. Yeah, and honestly, I didn't think that they were going to get much in return for sitting on him too long. But I know reading some of the people's social media over those past 24 hours or whatever, they were saying Colorado won this trade. And I'm thinking, well, no, they didn't. First of all, they got Hammond, who is injury-prone with a $3 million cap hit. They've got our first and third, which if we go on to another deep playoff run, that's going to be a very low pick. They got and a also, single blue sorry, chip let's, prospect. Let's not forget, they also got Nashville's second this year, and Nashville is looking to have a deep playoff run too. Yeah, and the first is dra- is lottery protected to boot, so it's guaranteed that first isn't going to be a franchise player. Yeah, this isn't this isn't like when Toronto traded those top two picks to Boston that turned into uh, Tyler Sagan and Dougie Hamilton. Yeah, totally different scenario. Yeah, like. Colorado got wrecked. Oh, they did. They got absolutely nothing. I spoke with uh, the smart money after the trade, and like, like I know a lot of people who put a lot of money into sports betting. Mm-hmm. No, uh, none of those people think Colorado even got the better deal in the long run. No, no, they might Colorado. have gotten the quantity, but they didn't get the quality of the deal. No, and that's a massive problem. And the proof of the pudding about Hammond is. As soon as the trade was finished, ha- Hammond was lent back to Bellevue. I saw that there this morning. So the third was 
Pierre Dorian paying Sackick to take Hammond along for the ride. Yeah, and we're glad he did. Like, here's the thing. This is a trade that in any other franchise would put the GM like he on like a on cold like on very thin ice. This is a bad trade for this is a bad trade for Colorado. It is. I think the more poignant ar- argument is who won out of uh, Nashville and <clears throat> Nashville and Ottawa, and I think both those teams got better. Yes, they did. But you also got to factor in the fact that, like I said, Kyle Turris signed that eight, six-year extension today, and Matthew Shane, he's going to be a UFA not this summer, but next summer. And because Duchesne's going to do that, now Ottawa has to sign Carlson, Stone, and Matt Duchesne. So if Matt Duchesne, say, doesn't re-sign in Ottawa and he fucks off to whatever team, Nashville wins it because they've gotten Kyle Turris out of that. Mm -hmm. And we didn't even get to keep Matt Duchesne. (coughs) Although, watch Ottawa look to get get rid of uh, Dion Phaneuf. Yeah. Although it's interesting because Matt Duchesne is a very real upgrade over Kyle Turris, and I feel like a lot of people are underrepresenting that as well. Well, Duchesne definitely has the more foot speed out of between him and Turris, and he's also younger too. He's younger, and he's put up more points consistently than Turris has. And this is even on some pretty absolutely terrible Colorado Avalanche teams. Yeah, absolutely. And these are teams that he didn't even want to play for. No, I like uh, at Ryan Classic on Twitter tweeted out a picture of Matt Duchesne as a kid. He says, here's Matt Duchesne standing between two jerseys of, what was it, two two jerseys of players who crushed him or something. It was funny. I was just like, hey. <clears throat> two, two of his heroes who crushed him. Yeah, that was it. Thank you. And one thing you can notice about Duchesne is Duchesne gets much better shot selection than Turris does. Yeah. And I feel like uh, defensively, I think they're about even. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Matt Duchesne's also just a better shooter. He is. And now because like, he's got Mike Hoffman, who, in my opinion, he's one of the most underrated playmakers in the NHL. He's now going to have somebody who consistently can pass in the puck. Well, Mike Hoffman's also one of the most underrated <clears throat> shooters in the NHL as well. Yeah, I know he's snake bitten at the minute. He hasn't scored a goal in a while, but you know, I hopefully he'll uh, start scoring some goals. And like the Hoffman Duchesne Smith line, like on paper, sounds great. Oh, it does. Because you've got a muckraker, an excellent playmate, like. Duchesne is, like, Matt Duchesne is a bona fide number one center. Mm-hmm. And I could see Duchesne getting back to, like, 60, 70 points this season. Yeah, if he can do that, that would be fantastic. And then I think Ottawa wins this trade in the short term and the long term. Yeah. So, Tim, I guess we got to move on to the next story because... Do we have what? to. I know, but you know what? If we keep talking about it, we're never going to get this episode done tonight. Oh, but I like his number, too. <laughs> Don't worry. We'll talk about it later, buddy. Okay. Okay. So we're, going <laughs> to the, so we're going to the next story. Tampa Bay Lightning goalie Andre Vasilevsky tied the NHL record with 10 wins in the month of October. The other two players who had done that were Manny Legacy in the 05-06 season with the Red Wings 
and Craig Anderson in 09010 with the Colorado Avalanche. Hey, cool. And we also can't forget he broke Nikolai Habibulin's record of nine straight wins by a Tampa Bay goalie. That's all pretty cool stuff. I think so. It's interesting because I remember when uh, Mike Smith left Tampa, I was always a, I was always kind of wondered if Falashevsky uh, could was the goalie in Tampa, and seems like he was. Yeah, seemed like they've been doing well. They've had a few goalies. They had uh, Dwayne Rolson, uh, Kari Rama was one of them, and now with Vasilevsky, who Stevie Y got from Detroit with that draft pick. Mm-hmm. It's all coming up roses for Tampa Bay right now, bud. Yeah, no kidding. Speaking about coming up roses. Maple Leafs forward Patrick Marlowe made his return to San Jose for the first time since signing with the Maple Leafs to a standing ovation from the San Jose Sharks fans. Aw, but that's not Matt Duchesne. Next. Okay. The Vegas Golden Knights, <laughs> Vegas Golden Knights centerman Vadim Shipakoinov was suspended by the Vegas Golden Knights after he left the team when he was assigned to the AHL and it later came out that he retired from the NHL only days later. Now, in only three games he played with Vegas, he had one point. This is such a weird scenario, and I know we talked about it, a lot about it last week, but, like, it's such a weird saga that there'll probably be more details that come out. Because, like, Shipikov, like, he never really got a chance to play, and uh, I've heard, like, uh, the Hockey Night panel suggested that he wasn't adjusting to the North American game well, but... You could also argue that he wasn't really given that much time. Well, Jamie McLennan, who does the TSN 5 feed for the Sens games, he said the same thing when he was in Minnesota. He said there was a guy they signed from Russia, and he came over, and he didn't last very long, and he went back over because of the same reason. Mm-hmm. And I feel like this is one of those situations where it'll be he said, she said forever. Oh, yeah. But Not- bottom line is it didn't work out. Yeah. Not to be outdone, though, Montreal Canadiens defenseman Mark Strait also announced his retirement this week after he refused to play in the AHL and the Montreal Canadiens terminated his contract. What's sad is he's probably better than most of Montreal's demon. Fair. That is, uh, I don't know. I got Shea Weber. I mean, he's better. I guess. Except, except they weren't paying Mark Strait, you know, how many millions of dollars, though, to play for them. Yeah, no kidding. So let's go on to our next story. And this is a really sad one, which had the Matthew Shane trade not gone through, this is this would have been the first story we would have talked about. It was announced this week. Retired NHL referee Kerry Frazier announced that he has been diagnosed with an incurable rare chronic blood disorder called essential thromboboiestosis. I hope I'm saying that right. That's brutal. It is. Kerry, when he was a referee, was a very polarizing figure because he was somebody who, especially for the Maple Leafs fans, who he was widely hated for the Gretzky high stick on Doug Gilmore in the 93 Conference Finals, which was not called. And had it been not called, Gretzky would have been in the penalty box, Toronto would have scored, and would have sent them to the Stanley Cup Finals. I don't know, I feel like that's pretty wishful thinking. I can argue, I can understand being mad at a missed call, but the part where Toronto would definitely score on the power play seems like a stretch. Well, well, I remember Wendell Clark had the game of his life in that game where he scored a hat trick. Mm Mm-hmm. So there's nothing that 
could have prevented Wendell Clark from scoring his fourth on the power play. True. And it also would have set up the Habs-Leafs Stanley Cup Finals, which everybody had been wishfully thinking for so many years. Mm Mm-hmm. Because you might not remember this, Tim, but the Toronto Maple Leafs were in the Western Conference at one point up until 1998. Yeah, and that was just... And that only happened because Hart... Was that because Hartford became Carolina, or... There was a weird reason why they, they shifted. Yeah, I'm just I'm trying to think about that now. Uh, it wouldn't because it wouldn't be because of Carolina because. No, you're right. Uh, Jesus Christ. Uh, maybe maybe it was the expansion. The I think it expansion was the expansion. The yeah. Right. Not much we can talk about this story. Do you want to go on to the next story? Yeah. All right. So, oh, before we do that, I gotta hit him with a little music cue. Ready? Oh yeah. Oh, I was expecting Snoop Dogg. No, this is smoother. I guess. But if we wanted to go full internet meme, we would have had smoke weed every day. Yes, we could have. But that's so played out. I guess. Alright, so let's go on to the NHLPA and the NHL potentially could face marijuana discussion. Marijuana among the drugs included in their joint venture, substance abuse and behavioral health program now this could change because of its medicinal purposes and also because it's not a performance enhancing drug do you think legalization in 2018 has anything to do with that i think so but i also feel because and i'm sure you would have a better idea of this uh given that you follow this stuff more closely i am i wrong to think i think it's 20 something states in the united states that have legalized it i'm not sure how many now but i know uh colorado Colorado and Washington State have uh, the infrastructure set up, and uh, they went in two very different routes, and uh, let's just say one was far more successful than the other. I think California does it, too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, let's just look this fucker up. All right. Do you want me to hit you with a little music cue while you're doing that? Yeah. Okay. (coughs) 29 states in the District of Columbia have laws broadly legalizing marijuana in some form. Oh, yeah? Uh, California, Massachusetts, Maine, and Nevada all passed measures legalizing recreational marijuanas. Huh. Tim, are you getting kind of talk? How are you just listening to this? <laughs> Maybe. Actually, no, I grew immune after I worked in residence. Good point. All right, do you want to go on to the next story? Yeah. This past week was Halloween. Now, you talked about your costume, which you went as an 80s rocker. Mm-hmm. I, unfortunately, didn't go as anybody. I thought about going as Bonk's mullet, except I think probably, like, other than you and myself and maybe Eric, I don't think anybody else would have really appreciated it. True. However, somebody at work did ask me, like, oh, where's your costume? I'm like, well, I didn't wear one. And somebody piped in, well, why don't you go as a hot guy? And I'm like, well, pff, I already do that every day, so it's not really cautious for me. Yeah, that's the life I live, buddy, working with middle-aged women all day. <laughs> so we got to talk about some NHL Halloween costumes. Now, I've got a list. Now, I sent this list to you this past week, and I'm just going to go through the names, and you tell me what you thought of their costume, okay? Yeah. Okay. Nikita Zadorov of the Colorado Avalanche. He went as Ronald McDonald. 
creepy. Yeah, it was kind of creepy. It actually didn't look too bad, but yeah, it was kind of creepy. Mm-hmm. Okay. Eric Griba and Cam Talbot of the Edmonton Oilers and their wives went as the members of KISS. Oh, this looks so cool. Yeah, that and was And honestly, well if you don't follow Eric Griba on Twitter, you should. It's just redneck hour, 24 hours a day. It's fucking awesome. Yeah, <laughs> that's awesome. Like, uh, I forget whose wedding they went to. Ah... Uh, I want to say it was Shiaisons, but I'm not sure. But uh, Griba was there in jeans it, as part of the as part of like the wedding party. Oh come on now, dude! I it's live fucking ruined. That's hour. nothing. I went to a <laughs> wedding a couple years back, and we were in jeans and t-shirts. It was amazing. I guess, right. but it's redneck hour for sure. And then there's just him like pulling pork and shooting deer. It's awesome. Let's go into the next one. Roman Yossi and his girlfriend had the flesh-eating disease. Now, I asked you before we hit record, and you said, this is incredibly creepy. I thought it was very well done. Oh, it's both. Kevin Shackenkirk of the Washington Capitals went as Night King from <coughs> Game of Thrones. Now, I have to ask, do you watch Game of Thrones? Nope. Neither do I. Next one. Matt Murray and his girlfriend. Now, this one I really liked. Uh, Matt went as former New York Yankee Joe DiMaggio, and his girlfriend went as his wife. Marilyn Monroe. Did anyone go as a Kennedy? No, I, I really wish somebody had done that. That would have been a cool <laughs> reference. Another one I really like was Alex Kilron and Andre Sustar. I don't know if I'm saying his last name correctly. I think correct. it's Schuster. Schuster? Okay. Uh, <clears throat> for the time of it, Lightning, they won as... <coughs> excuse me. They won as Tennis Stars, Born Bork, and Andre Agassi. When I first read this, I thought it said Bjork. Like, the Icelandic cigar. I was like, what? Seriously, dude, if he had went as Bjork, that would have been something. I would have paid to see that. Yeah, no kidding. Now, this is one that you and I both agreed was pretty good. Nazem Kadri went as Bob Ross. These are always fun costumes because it's always like, hey, do you want to... You just need to, like, paint a happy little tree in a happy little forest. And, like, they're usually painting the whole damn time. Yeah, no, it's like... Hello, I'm Bob Ross, and I'd like to welcome you. Did you did you ever watch This Hour Has 22 Minutes back when um, Mark Fritch used to do the like the creepy version of Bob Ross? Yes. <laughs> and it would be like, hey, there's a happy little cabin, and there's a happy little woman living in there, and she's having a hot, happy little shower, and now I'm just going to paint myself watching. And I'll set the whole thing on fire. That was like the family guy bit with Bob Ross, and he goes, all right, now we're going to get some evergreen, and we're just going to paint a happy little bush right down there. And that'll be our secret. And if you tell anyone that that bush is there, I will come to your house and I will cut you. The crazy thing about Bob Ross is he was a freaking drill sergeant, hey? I heard about that, and apparently after he got out of the army, he refused to yell at anybody. Yeah. I would too. Yeah. Well, I mean, your dad was in the military. Mm-hmm. But he never had to do, like, kill hat stuff. Should we go on to talk about Eric Carlson going as Princess Leia? Oh my god, I love Carlson's costumes. Now, you were saying off-air that you really appreciate his and his wife's gender-bending costumes at Halloween. Mm-hmm. Like, uh, a few years back, they did Ariel and Ursula with Carlson as Ursula, and that's honestly one of the most impressive cosplays I've ever seen. 
Now, I have to ask, man, were you and Chelsea just looking at that going like, damn it, we could have done that? Maybe. Although I guess our costumes are usually from uh, the Japanese cartoons we watch, so... Tim, you could say That's anime. probably something we wouldn't do. But I'll tell you one costume that really caught my eye, and I really loved it. Marc-Andre Fleury of the Vegas Golden Knights, he went as the Little Green Army Man. Oh, that's cool. That was fantastic. I saw that, and I'm like... Because I don't think I've ever seen anybody actually do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's kind of hard, but... If done well, it looks great. Absolutely. So, we also got one more. Connor McDavid. Now, he ruffled some feathers on social media by going as U.S. President Donald Trump. Not to be outdone, though, T.J. Oshie also dressed his kids up as Donald and Ivanka Trump. I don't know. I think any time that you do anything Trump-related, you're going to piss off a large portion of Twitter. Oh, for sure. Because that whole site has a hate boner for him. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and I don't blame it. Well served a lot of the time. Oh, absolutely. So, uh, before we close out, we also got to mention some other athletes who went in a costume, including Steph Curry, the Golden State Warriors. He went as Jigsaw from the Saw movies. Dwayne Wade, and I would imagine his girlfriend, Gabrielle Union, went as Millie Vanilli, which I was... Nice. That was funny. I saw that. I'm like, that's pretty good. And the one that every guy absolutely loved, ten- Canadian tennis star Jeannie Bouchard went as somebody from Baywatch. I don't know anything about Baywatch. You don't need to, Tim. Ding. I'm just going to say, as a man, big fan. Big fan of Jeannie Bouchard's costume. Mm-hmm. Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up top of the hour for this week. So I guess we have to segue into the games. Now, we got, we got three games to talk about. We have the game against the Montreal Canadiens, which, yes, we do have to talk about that. The game against the Detroit Red Wings. And the game against the Vegas Golden Knights. Hit the sound music! You and your bits. Oh, believe me, this, this episode's going to have lots of those bits. Ah, no. Not to be outdone, though, Tim. Do you want to hear another bit? No. Hit the music. Time to play the game. Time to play the game. Hey, Tim. Yeah? Guess what? What? It's time to talk about this game, bud. Why? It was bad. Well, what are you talking about, Tim? we got to talk about the Los Angeles Dodgers Houston Astros Game 7, bud. Oh, jeez. 5-1 to one victory for the Houston Astros as the Houston Astros won their first World Series championship. And let's be honest, Tim. That's yeah. not the game that we really have to talk about, is it? Can we talk about the first 30 seconds of the game we have to talk about? <sighs> no. Um. All right. Well, we got to talk about this game. Canadians versus Senators. This was an 8-3 Canadians victory. Sens goals were scored by Tom Pyatt, Ryan DeZango, and Chris DiDomenico. Habs goals were scored by Charles Huda, who scored his first and second NHL goal of his career in this game. Arthur Lekkonen scored two goals. Matt Spacioretti scored one. Alex Galchenyuk, Brendan Gallagher, and Thomas Blakanek. Shots were 29-28 for Montreal. Uh, this was an exciting and fast-paced game. However... Very sloppy back and forth by both teams in the first period, which led to goals by both teams. 
which led to a score of 3-2 after the first period. Second period was better defensively by both teams, who played a lot of dump-and-chase defense throughout the game, and then the wheels completely came off of the Sens in the third period, and the Montreal Canadiens started running away with this game. Now, it Tim... Now, let's be honest, Tim. Coming into this game, the Montreal Canadiens were all like... It's all over, people! We don't have a prayer! Ah! However, at the end of this game, all the Hab fans were going like... Oh, it's a great team! You never gave up hope! I want to thank Jesus and say hi to my special lady, Marge! We did it, baby! Woo! Woo! Meanwhile, the Ottawa Senators fans crawled into a little ball and we all just went... Stop! He's already dead! I don't know. I'm not sure I agree with your categorization that the Sens played well this game. Like, the Sens weren't sloppy. Like, after the first 30 seconds, the Sens were just super sloppy. Bad passes a lot of bad decisions and it just got worse as the game went on i don't think the Sens really showed up no and honestly this is the worst game i've ever seen the Sens play in all my years being a fan now this mm-hmm. is a hands down the worst game i've ever seen i still put game five versus the pens in last year's playoffs as the worst game i've ever seen but i know what you're yeah. saying and we can't forget eric carlson and craig anderson were nowhere to be found eric who was a minus six in this game like, I don't remember the last time Eric was ever a minus six, not even in the early days when he was just skating in circles. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, like, when your two best players just don't show up. And what's weird about this game, though, is Ottawa's depth, like, managed to pull out the slack. Like, if Anderson played even an average game, Ottawa would have come away with the two points. Yeah, I felt once Mike Condon came in, he fared much better. Yeah, like, if Anderson just played... Like, I had this weird gut feeling that whole day, like, this is going to be a trap game. Like, it's first game back after a road trip, playing the cellar dwellers. Yeah, but you know what? Mike Condon had to make chicken salad out of chicken shit. Yeah. Well, I just mean... Like, I felt that game was going to be bad, because it's a game they shouldn't lose, but it's one that all the cognitive setup is for them to lose and thank god we were recording that night oh i know well even when i listened back to it i was just like oh jesus we gotta talk about this game next week Uh, and like i'm not even sure you can really give credit to montreal because ottawa was just playing so poorly that they like montreal could really do whatever they were scoring at will just because anderson wasn't really paying attention yeah, but from what I saw, it was a re- it was a back and forth game where it was like one one two one the three two up until Domenico scored to make it four three, and then the Habs completely ran away with it to make it eight three. Yeah, and that's like when the Anderson the wheels fell off the Anderson bus, and then Ottawa just stopped trying. Yeah, I don't have too many notes on this game, but I do want to mention one thing in particular. Now, do you, are you a fan of the Steve Austin podcast at all, Tim? No, but I should be. You should. It's a good one. Especially the Unleash show. That was fantastic. Mm-hmm. Now, why I'm mentioning Steve Austin is because on his show, he used to do a thing called Cocksucker of the Week where he would just vent about bullshit and people in L.A. that he's piss- pissing them off. 
Uh-huh. For this episode, I gotta give the cocksucker of the week to Montreal Canadian Michael McCarran. With the absolutely gutless play in the first period. Long after the whistle went, he shot the oh, pocket this, Craig yeah. Anderson, and Dion decided to go after him and got dropped. Now, McCarran got four minutes for unsportsmanlike conduct, while Dion only got two. And, not to be outdone, Max McCormick later on also started some nonsense with the Montreal Canadiens. Yeah, that shot was just... It was brutal. Like, the the other team's goalie has, is having a bad game. Don't don't rub it in. Yeah. Like, that's just classless. Oh, it is. And I work with a guy who used to play goal for the Brampton Battalion, and I told him about that, and he goes, oh, man, I hated when people used to do that. And honestly, it, as much as I don't like the vigilanteism sometimes, Dion had to do it. Oh, absolutely. <clears throat> yeah, and uh, bad officiate, like, weird weird calls. Like, I, like, the calls were right in that situation, but I think weird calls are going to be a theme of this of this week's podcast. Yeah. Cuz there was a chin, a few chintzy calls in the Detroit game and one very agreed two very egregious calls in the Vegas Golden Knights game. Hey, speaking of the Detroit game, Tim, Red Wings Woo! versus Senators, 3 to 1 Senators victory. Sends goals were scored by Mark Stone, Alex Burrows, Nate Thompson. Red Wings goals were scored by Anthony Mantha. Shots were 30 to 25 Ottawa. And it was military night in Ottawa. And holy shit, did the Senators run a clinic. Yeah. Honestly, I didn't feel it was the most exciting game I've ever seen. However, it was a solid and well-played effort by both teams, including the Sens, who showed signs of hashtag the system in this game. Except in the final 10 minutes when Ottawa ran into penalty trouble. Well, at that point, Ottawa just tried to shut the door, so they were doing the best they could. Uh, Let's... There's one person you didn't mention in that goals, that goal synopsis as much as we would have liked to. Who's that? Cody CC. He fires an absolute laser from the point. Called off goal. It originally counts. Overturned goaltender interference. Yeah, that's a chintzy call, man. There's no way Zach Smith had goalie interference in that. It looked like Jimmy Howard more more or less pushed on him than Zach yeah. Smith backed into him. Yeah, like. If you look at the way the contact was initiated, Howard's glove pushed into Zach Smith because Zach Smith had established his position in the crease. Yeah. And this is just an another iteration of a long line of just weird goaltender interference calls. Like, I've got a feeling that tightening up goaltender interference will be the next thing that's spoken about during during the GM meetings because this is getting terrible and even TSN is raking the muck with it. Like it yeah. started out as a Twitter thing, but now it's just TSN in general. Mm-hmm. Like this is bad and nobody understands what the rule means. Like I was saying on the last game, when I was talking about the cocksucker of the week, Anthony Mantha. Now he's an honorable mention in the category because he hit Mike Hoffman from behind and there was no call on the play, the art, the ref argued he didn't see it, and Guy Boucher just laid into the referee about that. Yeah. Holy shit. And one thing, like, I hate when Guy has to lay into people, but his facial expressions are fucking amazing. I know. I can't even take it seriously. I'm giggling the whole time I watch it. Well, he just gets so into it. Like, he spe- he really speaks with his eyes. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. And then that stone goal, like, how did he do it? I don't know, but I know that he's that goal was his 200th NHL point. Mm-hmm. But I mean, it was just, like, all of a sudden, puck on stick score. Like, I scratched my nose and I missed it. I know. That's like the Alex Burroughs one from the tic-tac-toe from Dion and Mark Stone. Yeah, that was a beautiful play. Holy shit. But it's not as beautiful as Eric Carlson, who could have scored on the empty net, but he was being a bod. He passed over to Nate Thompson, and he scored. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, I know I said it last week, but Nate Thompson has been... He's been a pleasant surprise. He has, and I know a lot of Sens Twitter, as we mentioned last episode, they weren't too happy about Thompson coming in as I was I was on the same page. I said, look, we don't need another center. We need a right winger. But it's really paid off for the Ottawa Senators. Mm-hmm. And, again, like, Di Domenico has been a super... Super surprising as well. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, and like as I was saying, like Ottawa just ran a clinic. Like they, they were just like pounding shots, and Detroit really wasn't getting any opportunity to get through the neutral zone. The only reason uh, those shots were even close was Ottawa just sat back in the third. Yeah. Before we go into the next game, can we talk a little bit about Mike Hoffman? Now I mentioned that Mike Hoffman has been really snake bitten in this season. Goal wise, mm-hmm. and in my fantasy team, I've actually put him on the bench for this week because honestly, they only have two games, and it's later in the week. Like, what's your take on this? Like, what do you think? Why do you think Mike Hoffman has been so snake bitten? I think it's just luck. Yeah, like I think it'll it'll eventually turn around for Hoffman. I think part of it might be he's playing with. Uh, He's not playing with uh, Brassard or Turris. I mean, and I think sitting on Duchesne's wing will be a huge plus. Mm-hmm. But yeah, some score- goal scorers are streaky, and uh, Hoffman could just be in a bad luck spree. Yeah, well, hopefully he can uh, get on Snake Bitten and score some goals for us. Mm-hmm. Now, do you have anything anything else you want to talk about this game before we go into the third and final game tonight? Um. Detroit's last call, the last call that Detroit had in their favor that led to the six on four power play goal was super chintzy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I totally agree. Yeah. yeah and uh, speaking about chintzy power plays, let's move on to a team that only scored one goal away from the power play. Yeah, the third and final game tonight. The very first meeting between the Vegas Golden Knights and the Ottawa Senators. This was. Oh, jeez, I don't have... What was the score of that game, Tim? 5-4. 5-4, thank you. Uh, Sens goals were scored by Mark Stone, Alex Burrows, Ryan DeZingle, and Eric Carlson. Vegas goals were scored by Alex Tuff, who had two of them. Uh, Marsha Salt, who had one. William Carlson and Eric Hula. Shots were 34-28 for Vegas. Overall, very exciting game by both teams. Lots of pressure applied to the goalies. And the great play of Maxim Lagasse absolutely stoning the Senators in the third periods in their effort to tie the game. Ottawa early on didn't look like they were ready for Vegas's attack. They didn't look like they woke up. Like, this was just a team that they look. it looked very similar to the team that came out to play Montreal. Yeah, except, like, Ottawa didn't really know what to expect with Vegas, right? Because it was our very first meeting with them. Well, it's like, it looked sloppy. 
And I think the other thing is, uh, like, the shooters weren't really weren't into it for the first period either. Like, my first note is, Ottawa could probably score on Legacy, but they have to hit the freaking net. Yeah. Like, shots were just going everywhere. And then penalty tr- trouble started. <clears throat> yeah, but before we go into that, we got to talk about the fight early in the game between Lucas Bija and Jean Gabriel. You mean the quote-unquote fight? It was a fight. I understand Not the, to the NHL. lost, but still. This, no, this is another example of just shitty officiating. Pajot gets the 2-10, and 10, and Spiza gets nothing. Oh, no. Well, I mean, if you want to talk about shitty refereeing, what about Zach Smith? He got called no, for verbal let's, abuse let's, of a referee in the second period. Let's appreciate the Spiza situation. Spiza but the, but drops the, thing is, the Tim, gloves. In all the years that I have ever watched hockey, I have never once heard this call being made. And I'm sitting here watching the game going, Wait, What? A verbal abuse of a referee? When the hell has that ever been called? Yeah, and, like, what the hell did Zach Smith even... They didn't even tell us what Zach Smith said. No. Like, that's a pure chintz call. Honestly, if anybody should have gotten the call, it should have been Pajot, because he was the first one yapping at the ref. Yeah. It didn't even look like uh, Smith said anything from the camera angle, but going back to the Sabiza incident, Sabiza dropped the gloves. In the NHL rulebook, that's an instant five-minute major for fighting as soon as the gloves are dropped that you're in a fight and the fact that he didn't get a fighting major is fucked let's talk about craig anderson tim who took a high shot to the throat area and it looked like he was going to be removed from the game but stayed in yeah although anderson again just didn't have a very good game even up through that point Although, the Senators really didn't give him any support. No, they didn't. And Johnny Odia played way too much of this game. Yeah. I can't even argue with that. Yeah, like, Odia was victimized on just... He couldn't move fast enough from throwing the puck to an opposing player to getting in the way of the shot. Like, I know, when, when, at what miscue. point does Guy Boucher just look at them and be like, Okay, you're out. Well, what's frustrating is, I'd rather have Boro. I would much rather have Shabbat, personally, but... Yeah. But, like, I'd take Boro or Harper at this point. Mm-hmm. One player who I felt actually played pretty well on the D-line, except for the Hala goal, was Dion Phaneuf. Dion Phaneuf has really shined for me this season with a couple of timely goals. Mm-hmm. Or even just he's been in much better position than he was lot generally last year. Yeah, because I know he's in... I think he's on pace to score 20 goals this season, if I'm not mistaken. Mm-hmm. But I feel like he's just... He's been on the better side of the puck. Like, he's been breaking up more plays. He's been able to pinch better. Like, I think we were just seeing probably the best Dion Phaneuf anyone's seen in a while. So one final note I got before we close out of this game, was Alex Burroughs' goal was his 400th point in the NHL. Vegas challenged the goal, however, it counted. Yeah, which is nice, but I I remember sitting there watching, it's just like, knowing my luck, knowing our luck, this is going to get dis- disallowed too. Yeah. Like, the I way the officiating was, was going that too. night, holy shit. Although, the Senators finally decided to pour it on in the last five minutes of the game. Mm-hmm. And they almost tied it up in the dying seconds there, too, hey? Oh, I know. I was standing here watching it going, like, come on! Come on, score! 
Uh, it was so close, too, but... The insane thing, though, is, is Legaz didn't even play that great of a game. Like, four goals on 28 shots is not the greatest save percentage. No. Like, it's decent, but it's below average. Um, if Ottawa just played their game a bit better, they would have won. But it didn't help that Craig Anderson was... Like, the defense wasn't supporting Craig Anderson, and in some instances, the defense... Like, the Oduya goal, the defense was handcuffing him. Yeah. Although Anderson got beat by the wraparound again. Yeah. Yeah, but the, he's always had sort of a problem with that, though. Yeah. It, it's legitimately hard to defend against. It is. Like, if set up well, but it's just, as soon as someone goes behind the net, you're like, well, here's a goal. One note and... I know for sorry, one note I know for sure we didn't include was Dylan Ferguson, the backup goalie for the Vegas Golden Knights, got called up from Kamloops in the WHL to play. Uh, I have a friend of mine up in Nanaimo who is the manager of Game On Sports mm-hmm. and actually interviewed him for a job. Nice. Yeah, like, that's the weird thing about the WHL is it's, like, these kids are, like, semi-pro, but at the same time, like, they're also just looking for regular summer jobs because the chance of going from WHL to respectable, like, full-on career hockey is still kind of low. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Well, Tim, I guess that wraps up the games for tonight. Do you have any more notes you want to mention? No, this week was rough, and honestly, I think it's good for the Senators to just get some time to get back to basics and maybe a shakeup. It was a good time for a shakeup. Yep, and they're also going on the road, too, which always helps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and honestly, this Senators team is a lot... I think it's a lot better than it was, like, a week ago, and... I think this is probably one of the best Senators teams that have ever been iced. Yep, but only time can tell if that actually comes out to be true. True. All right, well, I guess we'll have to head into the close, eh, Tim? Yep. All right, so we'll head into the close. First of all, thank you so much for listening to the Third Line Plug Sensecast, everybody. I hope you enjoy it because, believe me, Tim and I love recording them for you. Yeah, especially this episode was super fun. Holy. Oh, believe me, next week's going to be even better. Oh, damn. We're going to Sweden, boys. Yeah, but before we do that, we also we got to mention we are on iTunes. Please listen, rate, and subscribe. We are on SoundCloud, soundcloud.com slash thirdlineblanksensecast. Because our bud Dave made the mention, we are also on Google Play Music. You can find us on Twitter at thirdlineplug is our show's Twitter handle. Tim is M901HoneyBadger. I am GreatWhiteGipster, G-R-8-W-I-T-E, Gipster. If you want to email us to talk about these games, talk about how you also love Jeannie Bouchard in that bikini, or you also want to talk about the Matthew Shane trade, you can email us, thirdlineplugsunscast at gmail.com. Now for the week ahead, Tim, we are on the road. We are heading over to the fine country of Sweden to face back-to-back nights with the Colorado Avalanche on Friday and Saturday. Now the times that I got here are in Pacific Standard Time, 11 a.m. for Friday and 10 a.m. for Saturday. Oh, that's actually going to be a bit hard to watch at work. Maybe yeah. I'll just be sick. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry, guys. I'm sick. I don't know. I could probably... I wouldn't. Even, might not even have to lie for that. Just come in with an arm in a sling and you'll be fine. Yeah. Well, actually, I would suggest getting Chelsea to smack you in the face, but... 
Whoa. That probably wouldn't go over too well. They might be looking at Chelsea being like, hey, <laughs> what's, uh, what's going on there, Tim? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. But, yeah, it's... Uh, do you know if they're going to be playing an exhibition game against an SHL team? I recall the last time they were there, about 10 years ago, they played against Frolunda. <clears throat> and on that team was a young Eric Carlson. Yeah, I don't think they are. I think they're just going to be playing the... Colorado games and then coming back. Oh, that's a shame. Now, before we go off for another night, let's briefly talk about Matthew Shane's jersey number because uh, 95, really? You you guys really missed the bolt by not giving him Steve do 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 Shane's old number 28. I don't know. Like, I get it, but at the end of the day, Duchesne gets to pick his number. And number nine has been taken by Bobby Ryan. <laughs> Yeah, I like the fact that they're, he's paying homage to my favorite Sega Genesis sports game, NHL 95. Nice. Or our favorite operating system, Windows 95. Not really. Or the best much, much Music Club Jam, Much Dance 95. Actually, one thing we didn't mention during the trade rumors, and this is actually a little silly, is apparently Altitude Sports didn't figure out that Duchesne got traded until after the game. Wow, considering that they're the Avalanche's broadcaster, you would think they would have had that information. Yeah, it was just silly. But apparently, uh, like, they on air said, it's a bit long for him to have gone to the bathroom. Maybe he had diarrhea. Yeah. And then, like, all of a sudden, a bunch of, like, for some reason, the analytics guys on Twitter are like, yo, we know that he's been traded, but do we know if he pooped? Well... That's some reporting that we need to know, man. Mm-hmm. Now, the real question is, he went off with Blake Como. And if him and Blake Como like to poop together, then we know for sure that Duchesne also pooped. So all we need to know is, do Duchesne and Blake Como like to poop together? If you want to email us and ask about that, <coughs> at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter. I can't believe we're actually closing this episode like this, Tim. <laughs> Sounds about right. Okay. Well, Tim, until next week, guys, I am your host, Taylor Gibson. And this is Tim Jensky. Go Sens, guys. God, Woo! you're such a dumbass, Tim. My time here is up. They're going home!